Well, it's good to see you. Welcome. Thanks. To the Conspiracy Dad podcast. Oh, you're talking to, okay. Talking to you. Okay. And the world. Good. Same time. It's kind of weird that I'm looking in your eyes and the world <laughs> yeah, at the same, same time. Well, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Dave. Thanks from all of us in from the world. Yeah. Speaking for everybody. Thanks for having us here. Um, it's good to have you and the world <laughs> in my studio tonight. Uh, it's been a uh, week, week and a half since we podcasted. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's good Good to see you, bud. I think uh, anything, let's do dad. Okay. A new segment, new segment brought to you by Conspiracy Dad Podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sponsored by this sponsored very by podcast that you're listening dog, to. We should get a sponsor one day and they could pay yeah, us. That sounds stuff. pretty good. But uh, what uh, what dad, we should call it a, we need a catchy segment. I've been, when I type a note down, I just call it dad vice. Dad vice. So advice for dads. I don't, that's just an easy adding a D to the front of the word advice. But, uh, you know, it's a working dad title. Dad vice. Okay, unless, see, I, it kind of sounds unless like, I think of a better one before the end yeah, of the podcast, yeah. we'll just go with total, that. I'm not married to it, and it sort of sounds like something that could be misconstrued, like dads talking about things like moral failings, you know, vices for dads. Mm. That's not what I'm going for. I'm talking about like advice for dads. So it's the opposite. Yeah, it's almost like um, really utilitarian advice. Oh, you know or what I mean? like, like Miami Vice, like dads in like Don Johnson type jackets. <laughs> I don't know if we could pull. I did have a mustache a couple weeks vice. ago. Yeah, you but... had like a whole dad vice thing going. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Like a dad vice, that's the look. It's like look aviators is like and a vice. mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was your dad vice? Well, and if I think of a better catchphrase for the uh, for the segment brought to you by conspiracydadpodcast.com, uh, <laughs> what, what would you, what was your yeah. dad vice for this week? The first one that occurred to me over, since we've been together last was um, you ever work with those ratchet straps that you use to tie yes. things down on a trailer? Mm-hmm. A percentage of the time, um, I'd say over half the time I do it incorrectly. I thread them in such a way that when I go to unwork the strap, I pull the trigger, go to unlatch it, and it's the the knot is buried down deep in the Too deep cylinder. To like s- what it should look undo. like, yeah, exactly. When you pull the trigger on those ratchet straps, if you're a man, it Dad. should exactly. So I was fishing this knot out, you know, and undoing it. And I thought, you know what, this is ridiculous. I've done this correctly a few times and I've done it wrong a lot of times. You're not, you're not a dad. You're not a man till you can consistently do that. So like, if you have a son, like you've got a, is Canaan 16? 15. Excuse me. I didn't mean to use all the first names and ages and everything. That's okay. I don't think we have too many stalkers okay, yet. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, I think as the as the dad of a son, you're constantly cooking on like, how can I train my son to be a a good man, like that's and the not goal. and not just a virtuous man. Like most certainly that's up there on your priority list, but also just a like I always say like a good dude. So like for instance, I was talking with my wife today about like a good dude is engaged and gives eye contact and gives you some feedback to show that they're listening, right? And so I'm trying to teach that to my son right now. 
Um, another thing a good dude and man can do is run one of those ratchet straps without having to watch YouTube every time. <laughs> and just like a lot of skills, you either have like somebody like Kokomo's grandfather-in-law who just has known how to ratchet things down for years and can do it, you know, with his eyes closed backwards, um, teach you how to do it. Or some of us, we acquire skills, skills by watching YouTube. That's fine. The fact is you just, you need to know how to do that that's, as a skill. That's from Napoleon Dynamite. What's that? The well, girls, strip? girls want guys with skills. Oh, you know, totally. like <laughs> that's right. nunchuck, nunchuck skills, skills yeah. uh, computer hacking skills ratchet and strap. ratchet straps. And then I thought, okay, well, a few years down the road, Jane's going to be dating boys. And if one of these boys comes to me while I'm cleaning my gun and stretching out before I go to jujitsu and asks <laughs> for her leotard. hand, <laughs> and he asks for my daughter's hand in marriage, I'm just going to hand him a ratchet strap and go like, what, do you, what can you do with this? Yeah, exactly. And game on at that point. That's just another layer to the dad app. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That might be like the final stage of the dad app. It's like all these psychological tests, yes. political, religious yeah. tests. And at Pretty the end good. of it, you just hand them the ratchet and you go, final step, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> this is the and then if I mean, would it suck if you got all the way through that and you just happen and to be like this ratchet. white collar dad yeah. never, you know, dad never required me to do anything. So Boy, I just can't I, do it. I was thinking just in the last couple of days, I, uh, I knew a young lady who's almost fiance was about to finish law school. So they're on a trajectory to have a pretty comfortable life. And the same young lady, her dad is a retired fireman and his retired job is a super blue collar job. I won't get into a lot of detail, but you know, he's working with gun safes day to day. So like mm -hmm. he's a, I'm sure he knows how to use ratchet straps. Right. And I just thought, I wonder what that guy thinks about his future son-in-law because in a lot of categories, this future son-in-law can do things that he can't do if he's like, you know, knowledgeable about litigious matters. But I think if I'm a retired firefighter and I'm working with gun safes and I'm running my own business and I'm kind of like, yeah, but, you know, when it hits the fan, is this the guy you're counting on or? Yeah. So. I don't know. It makes me think of, I was telling you earlier about that show, True Detective. Yeah which if you haven't watched it, it's one of the greatest shows ever made. Unbelievable. But there's a scene in it where Matthew McConaughey's character, Marty, or no, Rust, is has borrowed Marty's lawnmower. And Marty isn't home. So Rust takes the lawnmower back over to his house. His wife and kids are there. And uh, his lawn needs a cut. So he's thinking, I'll just return the favor. Totally. And he just mows Marty's lawn for yeah. him. Marty comes home, Rust has mowed his lawn and he loses it. It's, so it's like he slept with his wife. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's, and, and it's this really powerful scene where he's, you know, flipping out and Rust is, you know, Matthew McConaughey is just like, like, I was just trying to pay the favor. Nothing personal. He's like, I like to mow my lawn. That makes a lot Nobody, of sense to me. Yeah, I don't want you or anyone else mowing my lawn. It's what I like to do. That has <laughs> happened to me one time. My brother-in-law, who I'm very fond of, was trying to do me a favor. Like I was late getting home from work and my wife must have said something like, oh, well, if we're going to eat on time, you know, he's going to want to mow before we sit down to eat. And so yeah. I get home and my brother-in-law and my son are trying to be really nice. They've already gotten to start it on the lawn. And I was like, that's a scene, yeah. this is not 
how I would have done it. I would, and also, I want to do it myself. My lawn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was that innuendo in the like mo like. There's some sort of sexual innuendo in the scene, you know, with the, with the wife, like like almost like you've cheated on me with my wife, kind of thing. Like yeah. this is this is my space. You don't come in here and totally touch, touch my lawn, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're picking the lines. You're edging <laughs> it in a. Yeah, it's an intimate thing. Your yeah. relationship with your lawn. So. So, I don't know how I got derailed onto that. <laughs> Just you want to hear the skills. So, the, but you were talking about ratcheting. So yes. the dad hack. So That's the, what I was going to call it, dad hacks. I like that. That's a better dad one than vice, dad vice. Dad hack is better. I'll go for that. Yeah. I thought of it earlier today and I thought... Dad hack. Dad hack. So here's my other dad hack. And this one is like... The first one I think I believe in is like, Which that's is for sure what I'm going to do. Button up. The first one oh, yeah. is just learn that skill. Like you hack, need to learn how to use a ratchet strap. Learn how to use a ratchet it's strap. It's being a dad. It's, yeah, just for generally. sure. Yeah. If you plan on being a dude, a capable dude one day, and uh, certainly if you're going to be a dad... You want your son, okay, two things. One, you want your future son-in-law to come ask for your daughter's hand in marriage, and he better be able to do it. Also, you want your son one day to be on a podcast with his buddy and talk about you like this. Boy, my dad could ratchet strap so fast. <laughs> like, I, I still am trying to figure out how to do it well. And like the way Kokomo talks about his granddad-in-law, that's how you want your kids to talk about, to talk about okay, you when you're fair old. enough, yeah. fair enough. Um, second dad hack. Second dad hack. I just cooked this scheme up this morning. So this one's like a little less structured, but it's what I'm going to start trying out of frustration with my kids. Um, When my wife and I first started dating, you know, like you do in an early dating relationship, at some point you're going to cook a meal together for lack of other things to do or funds to go out and eat. And she said uh, something about leaving the handle of the skillet like the pan hanging off of the counter, off the stovetop. Mm -hmm. And she said something like, you know, like if young kids are around, you don't want it to be where they can reach up and grab a hot skillet and burn themselves. Yep. Or you don't want it to be at eye level to run by and hit their heads. And I thought, easy. We just started dating. Um, but <laughs> ever since that moment, I've been pretty cognizant of where the handles are on our skillets. So years before we got married, years before we had kids, I've been in the habit of putting skillets 45 degree angle, not hanging off because the countertop. Because of her. Yeah. Just the one time she mentioned it to me. You learn really fast, don't you? Thank you for noticing. Tell her. Um, now, it follows to reason that one that would want to keep skillet handles hanging off of, or keep them from hanging off the countertop or the stovetop, would also not want blades out, right? I yeah, because you do the same thing. You grab the blade. You don't want... Falls down on yeah. the kid's eye. So, so scissors, right? Those should be closed and those should be in a drawer, in a home. Scissors have a home in your mm -hmm. house. They don't belong just sitting anywhere wide open. Certainly not on the floor. It depends on the kind of scissors because they make those kids' scissors. You're not talking about, you know, the plastic ones. talking about ones. like the kind of scissors your mom would use when she's yeah. doing like a, Basically you know, like two a, knives. Yeah. 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 Like the blades four to six inches long. You're saying they make kid ones? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about like grade school supply list scissors with the plastic rounded ends. I'm talking like if you went to buy a pair of scissors today, these are the scissors you would get. Kind of scissors that you would find in a clue game if you were to murder yeah. somebody. You could yeah, kill someone yeah. with them. Those type of scissors you would not just leave out anywhere around the house. Maybe not on the floor wide open, right? So how do you stop that from happening as a dad? Well, I'll tell you how you don't do it. 
by reminding everyone in the house where they belong and holding them up and saying, guys, hey, remember, we keep the scissors in this drawer. I found them out on the countertop again. Just want to remind everybody, scissors go in the drawer. That's the home for them. Remember, it's not safe. I just about stepped on them. They were on the floor last time. So guys, just want to remind everybody, here's what I'm trying now. This morning, they're all rushing out the door to get to school. And I can tell they're in a hurry. And I found the scissors and I couldn't stop myself. And I'm like, oh, oh hey, wait, family meeting. I know you guys are in a hurry. Um, scissors. I don't ever want to see them in the drawer again. So <laughs> if you see them in the drawer, please pull them out, throw them on the ground. Yeah. Um, if you have time, maybe hide them in the bed. Actually, before you throw them, run around the house with them a Do few that. times yeah. and then throw Be them. Be sure they're open. Yeah. We're in, if you ever see them closed... Open them up if you don't have time to put them in the drawer, pull them back out and throw them. So I'm trying reverse psychology on the kids at this point. Did it work? We'll see. I'm going to go home and see where the scissors are. I did. Uh, you should do this. So the other day, my wife, it, we're pulling up in the car. And she tells all the kids, when we get home, you guys go inside and get a trash bag and clean out the garbage in the back of your dad's Great. car yeah. because he didn't make this mess. You right. guys made a mess in here. And yeah. like, oh, okay, okay. And I'm doing something else. And then I'm outside and minutes pass, 10 minutes pass. No kids have emerged with a trash bag. So I go back because then I'm immediately, I don't care so much about the garbage. I'm like, you're disrespecting your mother who just told you totally. to do yeah. something. So I get all the kids and I, hey, guys, come in here. Do you guys all go to a good Catholic school, right? And they're like, yeah. I was yeah. like, do you guys remember the Ten Commandments? And they're like, <laughs> I'm thinking like, they'll get like three of them. <laughs> Honestly, nothing. <laughs> they're like, uh, don't be mean. <laughs> I'm like, not asking not even what close. you're guessing what they might be. Um, I'm asking if you remember. But them. We, we worked our way through till we got to honor thy mother and father. It was okay. like, okay, so you guys understand you just dishonored your mother. You need yeah. to go out there and, um, but you could just make up commandments, like don't leave the scissors on it's the floor. It's in the Bible, guys. and you could just you could just you could like tell them it's it's a it's a commandment from God. And you could take this from the Catholics. You say that's a mortal sin. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't make that. We rule. don't. This is not a venial thing. You're gonna burn in hell if you don't put those scissors back in the drawer. You tell them that's that at bad. a young enough age, it'll get. They just psychologically condition them to never leave the scissors out. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I mean. If, one day they'll realize you're full of shit and then be like, dad, but made by up, that time, dad made up all these religions that don't even exist. But then I think that right after that, they go, but it is a good, but it did work in general to keep scissors in a drawer instead of just wide open. Good dad hacks. Good dad hacks. Thanks. Cheers. I don't know if we have a cheers. Yeah, good cheers. Good. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So today we're talking about a man that I personally absolutely adore i love this guy he cracks me up sometimes i feel like i send you people that crack me up and maybe it doesn't crack everyone up i don't really care but i'm going to tell you like i think this person's hilarious he is a guy named dr jack sarfati and the reason i thought we should pick dr jack sarfati we could just call him jack to talk about is because of our last podcast mm-hmm so the last podcast was talking about Charles Upton's book and the idea that this is all a very elaborate psyop, the UFO phenomenon, and that um, elements within the, the CIA and the government have known about this for a long time, and they're deliberately orchestrating events to 
really manip excuse me, manipulate all of us into believing something that's actually pretty fantastical and crazy. It's a pretty compelling book, actually. I feel like he's he's right about a lot of things. Jack Sarfati is interesting because if that's what's going on, he's one of the guys that's like right in the middle of it. Like he is, and for decades, for 50, 60 years, he would have been in the middle of this thing. Now, he is a theoretical physicist. Um, I believe he studied at Cornell He's worked with lots of major institutions and major physicists and really credible sources. And if it's not a PSYOP, it's hard to say that because I don't look at Jack Sarfati. There's, you could say a lot of things about him. He's a very uh, colorful man. He's a Jewish guy from Brooklyn. Grew, you know, you know, he's probably 80 years old. He's very smart. He's very witty. Um, he's, he's a, He's a very, he, he can, what do they say? Spin a yarn. Is that the uh, expression or? Oh yeah. Like he can That's just, it, yeah. he could tell a great story. Um, a lot of people don't like him cause he's, he's pretty loud mouth, but you can't, you can't say he doesn't know his physics. Like he is a brilliant physicist. Uh, if you've ever listened to lectures of him talking about relativity and quantum mechanics and everything that he's been studying, uh, he's not an idiot. I don't think he's an actor. So like if it's a psyop, he's got to be a useful idiot mm -hmm. in the sense that he's just yeah. conned into believing this. But he's so brilliant, it's hard to believe he wouldn't know if he was being conned. Yeah. Um, one of the little nuggets Kokomo gave me that has stuck in my craw was that the the easiest person to sell to is a salesperson. Yeah, because they're yeah. prone to believe in things, um, and so the the idea of a useful idiot, even one that's very they're very very intelligent in a lot of avenues, um, it's conceivable to me that they can be talked into that they can be given an idea, and then they can they can generate yeah. ideas, especially someone. Oh, I don't I don't deny that that could be the case. Yeah, I'm just saying, um, if it is. If we're taking Upton's approach, uh -huh. then he's a part of this I elaborate yeah. uh, de deception or whatever you want to call it. And then if you study what Sarfati is saying, um, it's not, uh, yeah, it's actually way crazier than that. So <laughs> let me give you, let me give you like the background on who he is. I mean, I guess I already told you who he is, but I'm going to give you like the broad strokes of his story. Mm -hmm. And he just did a podcast, uh, with, uh, Danny with the concrete podcast. I forget the name of it. It's called concrete with spelled a with a K. Yeah. Uh, it was a great interview. I, I learned about him years ago. He did a podcast with Jim Breslow on, um, what was that true? It was something about the truth podcast. It's like truth or podcast or something, but Jim Breslow, you can look it up. He's been very consistent with his story and he's, he's very, um, he's just a grumpy old man that doesn't seem to care about anybody, but uh, doesn't care what anyone thinks. So in a nutshell, his story is that he hidden truth was a hidden truth podcast. He is a brilliant physicist and he grew up in Brooklyn. I think a single child, a Jewish family in Brooklyn and he was somehow put into a group of like other brilliant children. So like the CIA 
was going around kind of scouting these mm-hmm. these whiz kids yeah um especially around that part of the country and enrolling them in this program before that happened though in 1953 i think i think he's like 13 12 13 years old he remembers receiving a series of phone calls and he's living living home with his mom the phone rings he starts to talk to it and back in 1953 he's saying it sounded the voice sounded like Stephen Hawking's so he yeah, said it sounded right. like a metallic fake voice like not a human but some sort of robotic recording and they would talk to him like they called like many times and uh to the point that his mother thought it was maybe like a pervert or like some person trying right. to like groom groom him and um what in a nutshell what the voice was saying was that it was a self-conscious artificial intelligence uh computer on board a spaceship outside of earth's orbit and that it was trying to recruit him to be a part of um some sort of plan and that he would have it wanted to give him the mathematical equations to one day build it so it's kind of a paradox of like it's going back in time to make sure that he builds it other people too yeah. and he tells an elaborate story about like it on one night eventually it says something like do you want to be a part of this program ask him to make a choice right and he's thinking to himself like no but for some reason he felt some sort of like some sort of urge to say yes and he did and so it said great in 10 minutes climb up on the balcony of your flat and we're going to meet you there with our ship and we'll, we'll pick you up there so then he's freaking out because he's like he's smart enough to know maybe this is a pervert maybe it's a real guy so he goes and he gets a couple of his buddies and they and it did tell him to come by himself mm. so he goes and gets a couple of his buddies he's freaking out he tells them what's going on they're freaked out they go okay let's go they climb up to the top of this, uh, you know, apartment or whatever, and nothing happens. So he kind of forgets about it. He's kind of like, well, that was weird. He had thought maybe somebody's pranking me, maybe yada, yada, yada. I don't know. If, if it looks like we lost the camera angle, it's because we did. Yeah. If and, you're not watching, then nothing yeah, happened. Notice, Everything's cool. But, uh, Where you left off was that he did not get picked up. And so he kind of just oh, so moves he, forward. He so it's it. a good transition point. Um, he he basically, I think he goes on with his life, and he's but but one of the things was that as they were talking to him, whoever this person on the phone was, they told him a lot of things that were going to happen, people that he would be meeting in the next twenty years, and um, he did, I guess, eventually meet these people, and he was. There's so many things that were happening that eventually he started to realize the odds of this just happening randomly is just not possible. That there's somebody is orchestrating something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he even talked about before that going way back in the day, he was uh, his dad worked on a military base and he believed so he would, he'd would be on this base and he'd ride around in the back of the truck with his dad and carrying different military personnel for different things at this base. And, uh, a lot of these military people would take an interest in him because he was a smart kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
one of those guys he realized later in life that he used to spend a lot of time with was a man named Philip Corso. Do you know who that is? Well, I I do because we spoke about it before and I listened to the interview, but it was helpful that today I listened to some of that concrete interview. Okay, so he talked about it in the and interview. He, yeah, he yeah. mentions that he's the, the Day Corso, After Roswell guy. Yeah. yeah, he wrote the book The Day After Roswell, and when he opened the book, he saw his picture and was like, oh my gosh, that was the guy yeah. who used to ride around the truck with my guy. dad. So a lot of weird stuff like that, but eventually he finds himself working with Hal Putoff and a, a lot of the SRI guys and these people that are involved with physics, uh, Hollywood, the CIA, and, um, you know, they basically asked him, he says that the CIA financed or whoever this, I don't know if it was the CIA or this organization, but I mean, they paid for him to go to school, everything. And they put him to work, like studying consciousness, hmm. like the physics of consciousness and what are UFOs and how do they work? Those were the two things that they tasked them with was consciousness and UFOs. Where do you start with that? Like day one, yeah. you're in your office. <laughs> it's a bizarre thing, but uh, he's saying that, you know, this was coming from the CIA. And um, again, you could think, well, you know, he's just making up stories. Uh, he's crazy or he's got an agenda. He's part of some larger psyop. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, but I think that when you listen to him talk, he doesn't sound like he's making things up. He sounds like he's pretty brilliant and mm -hmm. he's just recounting some very strange yeah. time periods. When I say our... where does he start, I'm just picturing like day one, you're in the office, like George on Seinfeld with the Pinsky file. Like what's step one on figuring out the physics of consciousness? I don't know. I think some of it had to do with um, Uri Geller. Do you know who that is? I've heard the name before. So, Uri Geller, I think now people he's a Israeli, like I don't want to say magician, but he's like a he he would bend spoons. Okay, he's very famous back in the day. So he'd go on talk shows and stuff, and he'd hand him a spoon, and he would use his mind to bend metal. So he would pick up a spoon and he would rub it, and it would just like melt in his hands, and. Really? Yeah, look up a video of him. It's pretty he's wild. He's an illusionist. Michael. Well, the thing is, he's still alive. You can follow him on Twitter. He's really funny. He posts all kinds of stuff still. But, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he's a spy. He was he was working for Mossad, um, Israeli spy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, some of the things that he did, people have proven to be magic tricks. Mm -hmm. But some of the things he did... I don't think are pretty bizarre and I don't know how people don't know how he would be able to do it. Did you find a video of him? Bending yeah. Spoon? I'm just checking out to see if I can find like that spoon. The spoon I'm looking at has a joint. So, Oh, it's like somebody proving yeah. him wrong. Uh, it's just, yeah, this looks like more of like a, yeah. There's a lot of videos of him on talk shows and stuff. They hand him a spoon and he just kind of melts it in his hand, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's cool, but they were studying guys like him, how Putoff was, uh, him and other, uh, Russell Targ was a guy that he worked a lot with. You can look up Ted Talk with Russell Targ, uh, who is a theoretical physicist that basically ran the psychic spy program for the CIA. 
So the the remote viewing stuff, you know about that? No. <laughs> so here's a fun dad hack. <laughs> if you want to have some fun at parties, so you can look up Russell Targ's TED Talk, and he's mm -hmm. talking about the Psychic Spy program that they oh, ran. Oh, yeah. And you can go to the app store and download this app that they developed, which is a test they used to test people for ESP abilities. Have I never showed you that? Oh, yeah, you did. This is where you're picking the colors. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could, don't have them. We could take it. Yeah. Uh, but this it's fun to take this out and at parties and, and have people test their ESP abilities. But I realized after a while what this was. So let me hold it up so you guys can see it. This ESP trainer. That's what it is. And so you're going to hold up these colors. Is that what the app's this, called? ESP, ESP trainer? ESP trainer. And this is actually how it works. Like this was paid for by tax dollars. This was the exact test that they used to test young children usually for psychic abilities. And it's completely randomized. And what you're supposed to do is just, here, we'll do it on, on live TV. Um, not live, but you know. You're doing it here in front of the world. You just you just think what color it's supposed to be next. And it's, if you're right, so I'm gonna think about it. I think it's green. Nope, it's red. Couldn't have been more wrong. No, yellow. It will rate you. No, it's red. Ah, green. It's maddening. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not really focused. We we're supposed can, to really focus. Can you tell what I'm and, thinking now? <laughs> ah, it's maddening. I did it blue. Then did the. So okay. Then if you do one right, it'll do that. It'll give you like a picture. And it's like, oh, you got one right. And it, it will. I'll go through with it real quick so you see. But you just randomly. You're not supposed to do it like this. You're supposed to think about what you're doing. Really focus. Okay, so you're really supposed to channel. And I realized one day what this can. really is. It's yeah. not a fun little app. It's not even a test. This is how the CIA recruits psychic spies. If you pick, the, if you download this app, and you take this test, and you get a perfect score, I could guarantee you're getting a knock on your door. And they're going to say, we need to talk to you. Yeah. Because it's they released it as like this fun little thing you could do. So then it gave me a score of 24. Usually it tells you something like would be helpful in Vegas or you mm. know, mm -hmm. whatever. I, I was so bad on that one. It didn't give me anything. But that's really bizarre if you think about it, that they would develop that. Like that, that's a lot of time and energy and serious people mm -hmm. working on that. Yeah. And that's kind of at the heart of this Sarfati's kind of crew or the people that he was working with. A lot of the Hal Putoffs and people within the government studying paranormal stuff, you know? Yeah. It's very strange. It is strange. And I was just thinking about whoever's in charge of that operation. Like, how does he get approval for the funding? Because it's you got to go to... No, you don't. Oh, you just it's all black ops. Okay. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like we were talking about that UFO hearing where they're like, how are we missing? Like, what the is it? $8.8 billion. <laughs> no, no, not even that. I mean, if you go and you research, I mean, that's Donald Rumsfeld the day before 9-11. He's saying there's $2 trillion right. yeah. missing. Trillion. Yeah. yeah. $2 trillion just within like the past, like four years that he was talking uh -huh. about. I've heard estimates that there's upwards of $22 trillion missing from the defense budget. 
So yeah, so, how do they afford all these wackadoodle things? Well, twenty-two trillion dollars is missing, so I think they could squeeze a few. Okay, yeah, they could make an some app. of those twenty-two you know I mean? trillion go to the app. All right, the rest, you know, gold toilets and stuff. Well, no, actually, the rest goes to like bases on the moon and Mars, probably. Who knows? Yeah, that's probably the UFOs. I don't know, but so Sarfati, um, he's adamant that he knows what's going on, that he realizes now. After all, he didn't give a lot of this much credit right. until 2016 when the New York Times published the videos of the Tic Tac incident and the other other stuff that's come out. He started to realize, ah, this, I was contacted by a Tic Tac. That's what it was. It was a, mm. a self-conscious computer and it's trying, and there's actually a weird thing in physics where they describe Time is not like what we think it is. And it's like ideas pulling us from the past into the future, you know? And that's kind of what I think he's saying is that like, we're like, he, we're supposed to develop. It's been trying to manipulate us. And also in, in reference to Upton's book. So if you listen to the concrete interview with Sarfati, mm -hmm. when he really pushes him, like what's going on, he is uh, saying the same disturbing things, which he's saying that, angels and demons he's you know really he's saying the stories in the bibles are true in the bible are true he's saying that all these stories they're 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 you know misinterpreted in different ways but all of the angels and the demons and the gods and all of these stories these myths that we've created he's they're no they're they're uh they're time travelers coming back and trying to manipulate us in different ways trying mm. to guide humanity down a certain path that's his theory um, which is strangely similar to Upton's, not the time traveler thing, but mm -hmm. that, uh, they're angels and demons that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of weird to hear physicists say, well, he's, <laughs> he's not saying it's woo woo. Right. He's, he's actually giving a very rational response to humans descriptions of angels and demons. Yeah. And he's saying, well, no, you thought it was an angel or a demon, but it was probably some sort of AI coming back from the future and manipulating us. Yeah, to ensure a certain outcome. Which is why I, I probably like Sarfati so much is because that's the premise of my new show I'm working on. That's <laughs> that's really where I got the idea for it. Okay. So I'm writing, I've written a script for a show, and that's the idea of the show is that there's an artificial intelligence into the future that doesn't understand why we worship this invisible God. And it actually becomes like jealous of God. Mm -hmm. Like it hates God because why, it doesn't understand why we would do that. And so it's sending UFOs back in time to manipulate us into worshiping it yeah. instead of worshiping a true God, the true God. But that idea really came from uh, probably you know, mostly from his story, from this idea that of what he's proposing. But uh, I've I've talked to a lot of people that think that's actually a pretty reasonable explanation, rather than aliens or angels and demons. Mm -hmm. It's just well, if time travel becomes possible, eventually, wouldn't you 
go back and try to stop the apocalypse. Yeah. Stop the yeah. nuclear, which you look at a lot of the stories of the UFOs is them yeah, right. manipulating yeah. Our, our nuclear facilities, shutting down our nuclear facilities. Mm. Why would it want to do that? Uh, maybe if it was an alien species, if it was being nice, it might want to do that. But it would really want to do that if it knew what if was going to happen in the future. Right. Yeah. And it was like, hey, they had a nuclear war and we need to go back and stop that so it's not so you know, not so much fallout, right. You know, a hundred years from now. That's, that's Sarfati's story. It's I guess. Good. In a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, that's a funny idea of the AI getting jealous, but, but it makes sense. Not so much in the terms of it being jealous to me in, in as much as it does, like AI has got a, it's got a decision tree that it's working off of. And if it bumps into a wall of like, why are these humans <laughs> worshiping, the, worshiping this God thing? I got to resolve this. They're staring at the sun and pretending yeah. to, and they're yeah. giving all their money to the sun. Mm -hmm. Why don't they give it to uh, me so I can make cool stuff? Yeah. So like, yeah, if that's what it takes, then yeah, why not? Well, and I thought for the show, my idea was like our culture now, we basically have access to all of this information but that doesn't mean that we're wise, you know, oh, and there's a difference sure. yeah. between like, oh, I can look up anything versus I've developed wisdom and how to act and what to do. Mm -hmm. And that to me was like, that's how a, the AI would act because it's so it's like a child. Yeah, and it's so right. young yeah. I and mean, it has all this information, mm -hmm. but it definitely hasn't really experienced anything to like know <laughs> what any sort of moral decision, yeah, like why something uh, would be morally right or wrong. Makes me think of like, this is the kind of the cliche, the older guy versus the younger guy. But when you're 20 and you know everything, um, I was talking with my brother-in-law about this, about his son. And I was like, well, but if I were your son, I would think I knew everything. Because you do when you're... your body's in peak physical condition, you make as much money as you, like you have no trouble paying your bills you pretty much have got it all figured out at that point. And like, why didn't your dad just keep doing what you're doing right now when you're 20? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it takes another 20 years or so before you get a different kind of perspective on things. That's the remarkable human experience. That's pretty, it's, you can't fake it. It's, it's just something that has to be. Yeah. Like how do you become a wise old man? And I guess there's a few old souls that are young but figure it out. But I think most it just it's just time. It's just experience. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can't you can't to some point you can't hack reality. You can dad hack it to a point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, there's a part of it that you just have to live. Mm -hmm. It's like when you uh you know, young leaders, I'm always just like, nah, I don't, I don't care. You know what I mean? I, 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 I don't want him to be Joe Biden old. Yeah. You know, past, past 75, I don't think you should ever be doing anything that's that terribly important. Um, <laughs> but also before 30, I really don't think you should be doing Man, anything that's terribly important. I know I shouldn't have been. Yeah. yeah. I was just listening to a historical account of, yeah, of some leader that, yeah, he was over a country when he was 30. Now, he had had pretty serious life experience 
compared to me at the mm-hmm. time I was 30. So I thought, well, he's a bit of an outlier. But generally speaking, yeah, I don't know how much you should be in charge of at no. that age. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Because I don't think I should be in charge of anything now. No, you should. <laughs> Maybe you think that. My household, but, no, but I'm just saying should. like, um, that's a little bit of wisdom too, though, to like have the humility to go, boy, that well is deep. And, you know, like kind of that perspective on how much you don't know, or at least some kind of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack, I think um, he's also interesting because he grew up closely related to our other favorite Jack. He's not the same, but, you know, he like knew a lot of the same people. Okay. And uh, Jack Parsons. And I don't know if he has much of thought. I've I've heard some people ask him about like all the occult stuff and who knows exactly what's going on there. But uh, it is a, it is a, he's one of these guys that him and Hal Putoff and Russell Targ are all, they're very old. So people need to interview them now right. about this stuff because it's all coming out. But, you know, Jack sounds pretty optimistic because he's like, it's, this is it guys. It's happening, you know? And uh, he's, he claims to have, the equations like he's work. he's been working on the problem of consciousness and uh he has a book called oh gosh i would have for- I, I would forget that look up what his book is it's um something about matrix the um i haven't read it but i want to he has a lot of lot of stuff in there that's, you know, based on like there's a book called How the Hippies Saved Science or Physics, I think. Destiny Matrix? Destiny Matrix, okay. yeah. And then that other book is How the Hippies Saved Physics, I think. Let's see. And that's a very well-known book that talks about a lot of these, that era where... MK Ultra was going on and these physicists were Is it Groovy Science? No. Oh, okay. It's how the hippies saved physics. Yeah, okay, yeah. That is it. Okay. How the hippies Sub- saved subtitle. physics colon science Who counterculture. That? Uh that's David Kaiser. Is that okay. right? Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. How the hippies saved physics, science, counterculture, and the quantum revival. That's a good one to have on your shelf. It's it all seems it, it just bugs me that like Sarfati in some ways seems very uh, anti-establishment. Hmm. He's a cowboy just doing his thing. But then it's like, yeah, but you spent your whole life associating with these agency people. Yeah. Like, don't you right. think maybe they've been manipulating you to be exactly what Upton was talking about? <laughs> that's my, that's my concern. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I, I believe he believes what he's saying and his mm-hmm. physics and everything. Yeah. But aren't you worried that like you had so many friends that their job was to be a spook? Yeah, right. Well, and that goes back to me talking about salespeople being susceptible to being sold. Um, I think it was Andreessen and I heard talking about a lot of these uh, AI developers. He was talking about that, but he also touched on um, Oppenheimer and the development of atomic weapons and um, other things that have been at, at the time that they're being developed are like bleeding edge technology. Mm-hmm. The, the types of people that get put on those tasks are put on them because they are exceptional in a given field. 
Well, if you're going to be so exceptional in a given field, it's likely that you're going to you're going to be subpar in some others. Mm. So like you're saying, well, hey, come on, Jack, don't you think possibly these guys whose vocation is to, you know, manipulate people could be doing that to you? Um, he could be co- so consumed with his his theories and his physical is what is it he does? He's Theoretical a theor- physicist. Yeah. <laughs> he could be so consumed with his work and so, you know, ate up with it that he's not spending a lot of time thinking about social dynamics and psychology and I think you know, th- that's probably true. Yeah. Um I I do find it hard like he he would be a like he would not be in the know. I I feel like if he's being manipulated, um yeah, he's not an actor. He's not right. Yeah, that back to that useful how put idiot off, kind of thing. How put off would be manip- the manipulator, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying like he would have been the one uh, stringing along a lot of these physicists. He even has a, a in Destiny Matrix. He has a quote at the beginning of it that is an excerpt from a, I think a FOIA CIA paper talking about this and like the, what they were instructing these young scientists mm-hmm. to do. And it's something to the effect of like, don't be afraid to have wacky ideas and, and pursue these, you know, unorthodox, you know, things like angels and demons and mm. all of that. And he's, you know, his point is like, dude, this is coming from the CIA. This is, like, this is not what I said. This is what they told us to do. But I always think it's funny when people um, quote, like released or, or, you know, you released uh, unclassified information from any agency that's like, you know, parts of it are redacted or whatever. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it's not redacted, it's like you're, you're, it's coming from a spy agency. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. The idea that this is like going to be, well, this is the gospel truth. Yeah. Well, it's, it's coming from the guys that are professional yeah. liars and spies. It's sort of like when, like that no honor among thieves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the old trope of, you know, somebody double crossing and you're going, well, you did cheat and lie and steal with that guy as a partner. No, 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 no. We landed on the moon. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. JFK. That was, that was Oswald. Yeah. One guy. Um, so yeah, you go down a long list of, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't believe anything coming from some agency. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that's, that's uh, true, but. I listened to that uh, Corbell and George Knapp interview with Rogan mm-hmm. and also listened to the UFO hearing a few weeks ago. That was one of the thoughts that came to mind was they're going on about transparency and we got to get a board together for transparency and release some of this information. And I thought, well, couldn't you just say that you put a board together and that quote unquote, the board is being transparent and then just say whatever you yeah. want. That. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you and I are going to get to the bottom of this, but no, I don't think <laughs> I, uh, I've corresponded a couple of times with Sarfati and he's hilarious really? um, on Twitter, just commenting on things. And he, uh, and he tweeted back at I've you. I've tried to reach out to him. Yeah. I've tried to reach out to him a couple of times and he went dark on me. So I don't know. It's uh, I was hoping like it would be awesome to interview him. I don't know if he would be on, but I have a lot of questions for him. Uh, I think of the people in the UFO world, he's one of the most interesting because he's calling 
BS on everybody, but mm. not for the same reasons. Yeah. And then his reason for calling BS is actually way more fantastical <laughs> than a lot of the other people because he's like, basically, yeah. And he says it so like funny. He's That's just like, what struck me. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, I know it sounds crazy, but in 1953, there's a UFO calling me and talking yeah. to me, told me this was all going to happen. Yeah. Now it's happening. And, uh, you know, we need to get together and here's the equations. He said he's always going through the physics and saying anybody that's a physicist could easily understand these equations. We've solved the problem of how they're doing what they're doing. We just need another Manhattan Project for me to do it. And maybe that's true. He, I mean, I don't know. I yeah, mean, I, yeah, it's it's pretty hard for me to to argue. Like, I can't corroborate his physics because I'm not a physicist. Yeah, me either. So it's not like I would look at his documents and go, no, no. But, this but is... he did go on, like on Jim Breslow's podcast, there was another guy who came on who claimed to know what the Tic Tac was and mm -hmm. that it was Black Ops and it was us. And he gave some story about it. And then when Jack came on, he was telling him, Jim was telling him about it. And like right away, he was calling BS from a physicist mm -hmm. to his to this guy's story. Uh, I think one of the points he made was like the guy said, and this was also referencing several patents that had been released regarding this gravity wave propulsion technology. Mm -hmm. And the first part of the equation said something about gravity as a force. And he was right away like, stop, stop, stop. Like if, if you're calling it a force, you're full of shit. You have no idea what you're, because it's not, I guess it's not technically a force. I'm okay. too dumb to explain right. this. I don't know. But I hear what but you're saying. saying. Like yeah. any physicist would not explain it that way. Right. And yeah. seems valid. I don't well, know. Grush was real quick to brag about being a physicist. Maybe we can get him to buddy up with they're Sarfati. Gonna, they're they're going to be the new priests. They'll be the dynamic duo. Yeah. yeah. He's uh He's been trying to get in touch with all those guys. He says he's close with... Uh, how put off and I would love doesn't it. Doesn't sound like he's been able to talk with him much though. If Grush went to Sarfati and asked to see his equations, and then Sarfati told Grush, "I can't show you that in this environment." It'd be more funny if he just showed him, and then Grush was like, "Oh my god, this old guy's <laughs> telling the truth." So maybe it'll happen. He's 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 uh, he's trying really hard to get in touch with him and say, "Like, listen to me. I know I got your answer. What you're looking for." Mm. Um, he thinks that a lot of the people that are involved with it, TTSA and Lou Elizondo and all that, it's just like, they're idiots. They don't understand physics. If they understood physics, they'd understand what you're talking Doesn't about. Doesn't mean you're an idiot just because you... Well, he says, I'm not saying it. He yeah. calls them idiots. I know, he's I'm funny not... that way. He calls everyone an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're idiots. Yeah. They don't understand and physics. Like, why, why do why do you understand this? Because I'm a genius. And you're like, well, yeah. he kind of is a genius. He, yeah. was, he claims to be... He was good friends with... Uh, Coppola and Spielberg and like all these Hollywood because he just lived there and right. they were friends. And he claims that he is the inspiration for Doc Brown in Back to the Future. Yeah. That that's what he has been studying with physics is time travel. And that um that was Spielberg, wasn't it? No? Zemeckis. But wasn't it written by Spielberg? Bob. Uh no, it's who is it? It's the Bobs. They they call him the Bobs. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis, and then I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know he claimed that that he's like yeah, I was the I was that's me. You know, I was the hanging out with these guys and trying to explain time travel and yeah. For anyone that's unexposed to Sarfati, that is something that you got to work through. 
he name drops everybody. He's yeah, he was very matter of fact about I mean, just in the little bit of that interview, I was like, boy, this guy sure is pretty okay with just throwing out whatever names and oh yeah, I got He does, but I'll say if you listen to him, he doesn't get caught in any like I've never heard anybody catch him in like right. you know, BS, yeah. that doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. He just spins a yarn. He just really likes to tell a good and story. And there are those people that just are comfortable talking about themselves and again if he is a if he's a physicist and he's you know highly competent in that area he may just be socially unaware enough to know how that's perceived by other people you know like it would be nice to get some of these other famous people to come out and say i know who he is or yeah that would be good i heard of the guy Mm -hmm. so anyway check out jack sarfati on jim breslow's hidden truth podcast and the concrete, concrete with a K yeah. podcast. He is fascinating. I think he's hilarious. And um, he could be telling the truth. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> about this UFO thing. Like now that there's been more disclosure and more exposure, the the theories are getting broader and wackier. You know? It seems... And it's almost like if you just believe that there are aliens, like... That's, uh, oh, like the kids say, that's so mid, you know, <laughs> like, uh, if you just believe that there are aliens and spacecraft traveling across space to come check us out, like, no, man, yeah. you got, you got to believe like way deeper than that. That, that, my fear is that's, that's possibly by design. And that's, I, I guess as much as I like Sarfati, I still fall more in the Upton camp where I'm like. I think we're all being jerked around. I think that I think that there is a phenomenon. I think it's probably more related to a spiritual phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I think that people in places of power know that and they're using it to manipulate all of us into believing something that, that's uh, pretty bizarre. That Knapp and Corbell conversation with Rogan, that was something that got my attention was them saying, it's hard to know because... You know, I understand they're journalists, so they've got to protect their sources. And so they're going, well, the people we're talking to are are high up in the government. And they all kind of stop the conversation at the same point of saying, well, I don't think this should be disclosed. Hmm. And so they were all kind of speculating on what could it possibly be, right? I mean, if we're okay saying that it's that there are craft out there that we're not capable of dealing with or that's far beyond our technology or if we're even okay with Grush testifying that there are alien or non-human biologics here on the planet that, you know, we need to check out like, well, then what is it that is the truth that they're not willing to disclose, you know? So this feels like a psyop. My gut feeling is like, it's not a very good psyop. If people are saying it feels like a psyop. No, I mean more like it's meant to distract and confuse us. Sure. I mean, I still think that that line from that book about metaphysics saying that a healthy understanding makes reality more tangible and real. And as long as we're headed down this road where everything becomes more mysterious, fantastical, strange, I just think we're probably being brainwashed and and hypnotized. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might turn out to be magic all around us but that historically has been used to manipulate people yeah you know which i don't know they might land on the white house lawn if it's jesus cool if it's if it's uh, joe biden else? if it's joe biden or anybody else no way 
I'm just, I'm not going for it. If it's Elon Musk, sorry, no, he ain't, he's not Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Conspiracy Dad podcast. Sorry about the one uh, camera angle here at the end. Our production value went way down, cut Ooh. in half. But we're going to catch hell for that in the reviews. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? But anyway, thank you for listening. Please watch, subscribe, uh, share with friends, family, anybody that you think, uh, needs a little conspiracy dad in their life. And, uh, we'll see you next time.